Aloha Kako. You are listening to Native Stories. Native Stories exist to share the voices of those connected to the land. Our vision is to create a resource for Pilina or connection to place, and Native Stories aims to activate Indigenous perspectives. Aloha Kako, Oba Onanea Loko Inoa, No Papuklea Wahumao, Nohao Ma Kikapu Ame Wichita. Hello everyone, my name is Nanea Lo and I come from Papakalea Oahu. I am now residing in Kikapu and Wichita land or aka Dallas, Texas. And mahalo nui for joining us on another episode of Native Stories. So this is another episode that is in part of our COVID-19 series on community work in the Hawaiian Kingdom. And today we are extremely blessed to have Cheryl James Kanealii Kekiwakaina Williams. Um, he's actually right now on the mana or Pu'uhuluhulu. Um, as you all know, this is a week of, you know, reflection and actions as there's still, you know, things that are going on against the building of the 30 meter telescope and of the Lahui and Kia'i protecting, you know, Mauna Kea up on Pu'uhuluhulu and wherever everyone is. Um, so, welcome. Hello, my kako. Teo James Kanieli Ike Kiokaina Williams Koinoa. O Wailua Nuyaho Ano. Kawai ku aina kupuna um, and noa nabao ma uhonua o puhuluhulu ike yamanaba ma mauna kea. Um, hello everybody, my name is Terrell James Kanielii, keke aina Williams. Um, I go by Kanielii, uh, my kupuna um, come from my lua nui aho ano kawai and currently I am at mauna kea at the puhonua um, for the in celebration of a year of the Puhonua and continuing to hold space um, as Kia'i and supporting the Kia'i who have been here for the past few months, um, holding the space um, as we continue to ensure our mountain is protected and the TMT is not going to be built. Yes. Mahalo for joining us. Um, I personally have known Kane Ali'i. For a while now, I've just seen him in different spaces and places, and it's been kind of cool because I always see him in like sort of like Aloha Aina activist Kia'i kind of vibe. So it's really thank you for being on Native Stories because I like love getting to know and interviewing people that I've seen around, and, but on a deeper level. Um, you mentioned that you are on at Puhuluhulu, um, can and you you actually did spend a year like up there on Mauna Kea at Puhuluhulu. Can you share with our listeners kind of your journey from the Mauna calling you up there to stand there and hold space for so long, and where you're at now? Yeah, um, so I've actually only resided on the Mauna for six months, um, starting July 2019 through January of 2020, um, and then had to return back to school um, in California. Um, while we've had um, other Kia'i who are very close Ohana to me and friends who remained. Um, and so now me being back here um, is more to allow them to have a break finally, as they are the ones who have been here for a year. Um, and so this is my, it's part of my mahalo to them. and 
also part of my kuleana to make sure that they get time to rest as well. Um, as many of us have had that opportunity and have to hako'o them. Um, and so um, as the Puhono was established yeah, last year, um, what actually called me to arrive really had to do a lot with, I think, my Aumakua relationship to the Mauna, um, especially with the Mo'o that reside here. And when Kaya went out, I was I had a lot of anxiety and I actually was starting to get ill um, as we were watching Akupuna um, be arrested and such. And I feel that Akupuna that are on the other side of the veil um, in the pole um, almost caused me to become ill in a, as a way for me to call me to come here. Um, as afterwards, I felt released from that sort of sickness that was inside of me. Um, and so it was part of ensuring that I came to Malama Kuleana, to the Lahui, to the Aina, to Mauna Kea, to my Kupuna, um, and to ensure that these things that are important to us as Kanaka continue to be protected and perpetuated um, for eternity. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. Um, when, because I, I feel like when I went on Mauna Kea, up to Puhululu when the actions were starting. Um, yeah, just like day in and day out, like looking at social media and seeing what was going on, like beforehand, it was just like such a heavy feeling. I know like I felt that too and other people felt that too. It's like wanting to do something or just be in that space to hold space, you know, with everybody, with the Lahui. So thank you for sharing that. Um so ever since, so you went back home or you went back to school and then after school, you came back to Maui you were at or Kauai? So um, actually, prior to coming to the Puhonoa, um, I was in California because I at the time was um, attending UC Riverside, University of California, Riverside. Um, and doing some work with investment campaigns there um, from the TMT. And when I came to the Puohonua in Jan, uh, July, um, I had come from Oahu because I was actually spending time over there for the summer. And then um, up until January, um, I, st- I remained on the Mauna. And from September through January, um, I was re-enrolled in school. Um, at the University of California, Riverside, um, and was doing uh, independent study. Um, I figured out a way to maintain my full-time enrollment and while still remain at the Mauna and do distance learning during that time um, in order to continue to Malama Kuleana that I had at the Pu'onua, um, while also ensuring that I could continue my studies and um, stay on track for graduation. Um, and so what come, came around January time, um, I actually had to return back because I sort of ran out of um, schemes and ideas of working the system um, that would allow me to stay. So I returned back to California. um, And fortunately for me, um, things sort of aligned in such an amazing way that um, I was able to get access to uh, uh, flight benefit passes through Ohana um, that would allow me to travel back and forth um, 
California um, to the Mauna pretty much every week um, or back to Oahu, to Malama, whatever Kuleana I had to take care of over there that was so related to the movement. Um, and so from January through March, that's what I was doing. I was flying back and forth. And come March time, um, I returned to Maui for the first time in 23 years um, to participate in a Ka'apuniku or circuit around the island um, in, in opening the coup season. Um, and that was right before the quarantine began. So um, I actually was stuck in a, in a very great way on the island of Maui to connect with Ohana um, up until this week for the one-year anniversary of the Puhonua. And then came in this week um, earlier in order to be present for the Kia'i here um, and the whole kupu that was um, facilitated by the Royal Order of Kamehameha and rededicating the Puhonua again. That's awesome. Yeah, for the Mana series, we interviewed um, some people or Reeves for the from the Royal Order, Commandment Royal Order. And I feel like he shared some amazing insight on like, yeah, how important them being there at the Pu'uhonua solidifies like our ancestral ties to that Aina. Um and that's cool. You you did Kuz, you did the um beginning ceremony for Ku season. Mm-hmm. And that, that took place on Maui. So I wasn't present for um any cool seasons here on Hawaii Island, but I did participate um with Maui um mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um can you share a little bit about so it's kind of been like a long spread effort for because of course the whole TMT thing has been many, many years in the making of, of resistance. Uh, can you share with our listeners about how you've been involved, you know, with the University of California and like the divestment and those kinds of actions and then how it's like kind of intertwined with your work or just, you know, holding space on who, 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 and then going back and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, I think my first beginnings with the movement um, for me began in 2014, 2015 with um, the education awareness and beginning to learn more about the issue. Um, at the time, I was attending UC University of California, San Diego, um, and residing in San Diego. And that's actually where I was raised. Um, however, at the time, I had no means of being able to come to the Mauna um, for the stance during those years. Um, and so all I could really do was, you know, continue to learn, um, stay connected, stay aware of what was happening. Um, and in 2018, um, was when we began to have, um, the UC Regent Board of Regents, um, meetings that we began to push at for divestment. Um, from the TMT. Um, and so that's actually where I had met Una, such as Uncle Lico Martin. Um, actually, I had met Uncle Lico Martin prior to that, as well as Auntie Lalani Tail. Um, but that was the first time I met Auntie Keoloha Pishoda, who at the time I had no no awareness that 
how long and how much work she had um, contributed to protecting Mama Kea um, for over, you know, three decades. She was doing that kind of work. And so that was my first introduction to her. Um, and so we began to um, organize um, for the Regents meeting. Um, and so what happened was the first of the three days, the first day um, I wasn't able to attend because I had class and the Regents meeting was um, at UCLA and um, auntie and uncle, all of them, they, they weren't able to make it into the meeting, even though that they were the first ones in line. Um, and so that same day is when I had sent an email to the Regents office um, um, asking for a line, a space to speak during and to give public testimony regarding the issue the following day. Um, and that was a, a way for them to get access to the meeting, for them to give testimony um, and sort of work, you know, being me being inside the system, working the system and allowing those outside of the system, but that are part of our Lahui entrance inside. Um, and so the following day, the second meeting day was when um, we had our first chance to actually give testimony. And I believe Antique, Keoloha and Uncle Liku were the first to speak. Um, again, we were the first in lines that morning. And what actually happened was that the regents, they, they shut the conversation off right after they gave testimony. And then they w went to other issues um, in order to avoid um, the topic. Um, and so as a result of them doing that, they tried to, they tried to cut, set, cut the public comment section short. Um, and they said only four or more people could speak. And so I, I just decided to stand up and get in line as the fifth person, um, and wait for my turn to be at the mic. Um, because I, I wasn't going to allow them to silence us as Kanaka, um, and allow them to avoid us talking about the issue with TMT. And so, um, after the fourth person, person spoke, um, I was standing at the mic, um, and they had ended the public comment se session. Um, however, I stood at the mic and I didn't say a single word. Um, and Auntie Laolani stood with me right there. Um, at the same time, other students were exiting the room and chanting. So it kind of created this great um, sort of um, difference, I guess you could say, in how we presented ourselves in order to almost force the regents to speak to us. Um, as we, we stood at the mic, stayed silent, but still made a statement. Um, and it almost made like the space very awkward. And um, as we were kind of just staring down all the regents, um, and as a result of that, it allowed us to have um, one of the, the secretaries as well as the chair came up to us to negotiate time to speak the following day. Um, and so, that same night we began to organize and then the next morning we um, gave our testimony. I was the first to speak that morning um, and I brought up the questions of um, why was there no information provided on any fiscal reports um, regarding the amount of money that the University of California was contributing to the 30 meter telescope. Um, and the reason I asked that is because as students of the university, we have the right to know um, where are our own funds that we pay to the institution, um, where those funds are being invested. Um, 
And so at the time, there was no information that was being provided to us on those fiscal reports, even though the TMT uh, made it clear that the University of California was um, spearheading the project and was giving a great amount of money, um, support, financial support. And so for over a year, um, that information hadn't been provided. And so in between that was when the Pujono began. And so um, that was actually for a while the last regents meeting I had attended and then spent time at the Pujonua. Um And then after, um, around the time I had to return back to the university physically to attend classes um, in January, February, uh, March, um, other students had been or organizing around the issue um, for us. And so I owe them a lot of credit for being able to continue that work. Um, there were students who were demanding the from from the university office of the president um, the numbers of how much the university had invested, and so after about um, I think over fifteen weeks or so, it took the process to take. Even though the university told this particular person um, it would only be a ten week process, and then they added another two weeks and a three weeks, another week, et cetera, and just kept delaying. And so finally come May is when that information had finally been provided after um, a great amount of pressure being put onto the university. Um, and during that month of May 2020 was um, their regents meeting. And so we began to organize again and we made public that information. And so um, it became an indication to us that if the University of California is still investing money into the TMT as of February, um, we still have work to do on our end to ensure the TMT doesn't go through because um, $10 million just as of February is a lot of money to do any kind of work. We don't know if that's you know going to be private police officers or, or enforcement security by the state, um, paid for by TMT, et cetera. And so we have a lot of work we still have to do to ensure that this project doesn't go through. On the side of the University of California, putting a lot of pressure again to um, make sure that they do divest on the project. And so, yeah, that's been my involvement thus far. I know. I... We're Facebook friends, so I saw that article be released. Um, what was the the number of how much UC has actually invested in TMT? I know it was like an outrageous number, millions. Yeah, so um, since October 2016, um, the total has been over $30 million. Um, I don't, I can't recall the exact number off the top of my head, but um, as recently as February, that's when they contributed $10 million, um, $5 million of which was from the UC's own funds. And they kind of defined that very vaguely um, as a way to say, um, oh, well, these aren't student funds that we're using. And then the question is, what? then whose funds are they? And so they just, you know, they use that as a way to hide um, away from the fact that they're actually using student funding. Um, 
And then the other five million came from the Betty um, and Moore Foundation, um, which the University of California funnels their money through the UC system and then into the QMT. So it's like, you know, the partnership right there. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. I mean, I know, you know, being a student at the University of Hawaii and seeing how much money that they invested into TMT and like, you know, the land is from the University of Hawaii. And so it's crazy to me, like being in higher education and then knowing how colonial like university structures are against Native and Indigenous peoples. Um, and how racist they are. Um, yeah, mahalo for sharing all of that. Um, so you being on Pu'uhulu Hulu now, so can you share with us some of, because I know like this week, like we're, we're interviewing on July 13th. Um, this week, there's a whole bunch of social actions that are are going out from like all types of, you know, organizations not only protect Mauna Kea and Puhulu, but can you share with us some of um, the events that are going on over there and others that you know about? Um, so my focus has primarily been um, what's been happening here at the Pu'onoa, um, physically here. Um, actually, yes, the past two days we had what was called an Ailike, um, which is a consensus building um, process. And so Moving forward, um, we are hoping that and planning and ensuring that that is what um, sort of structure um, pulls us through the rest of this movement is a form of consensus building um, for those who have a great stake into protecting the Mauna. Um, and then yesterday, um, we had the Hokupu that was um, provided by or facilitated by the Royal um, Order Kamehameha. Um, as far as other events with other organizations, I'm not too aware of. Um, I know there's some that are doing, um, you know, more Mauna Kea education and awareness. Um, some are doing film screenings. Um, others are, you know, sharing photographs of this past year in celebration. Um, and then of course there's UC students who are continuing to organize for divestment in the UC system from the TMT. I like wanted to bring you on to not only to talk about Mauna Kea, but yeah, to like kind of put it out there to our listeners and yeah, support Mauna Kea and the movement by letting them know like, Hey, there's still action that needs to be done on our part that there's still this going on with the funding from UC. Um, can you, and I know that there's still border regents meetings that are happening, like you were saying. Um, I guess, can you share with the listeners how they can get more involved or talk about more about the importance of helping to write in testimony and bring more awareness to what's going on about the UC funding? Yes. So um, upcoming for this month um, in uh, July 28th through the 30th is our the next round of Board of Regents meetings for the University of California. Um, and so actually just this past uh, week, 
a new University of California president um, was given the position. Um, and so as far as testimony goes um, and trying to get the regents and the board to divest from the 30-meter telescope, um, one important point is that the, the UC president, president has the institutional power to make the decision to um, cease all involvement with the project. And so that's a very, very important power point um, that doesn't require even all the regions to agree itself. So that just shows how much power they, they, this new president of the UC system has. Um, and then, of course, for the regents' meetings themselves, um, even having more of the regions on our side is also just as important. So um, providing testimony um, in support of protecting Mauna Kea from telescope development, from the TMT, um, and very, being very specific, demanding that the TMT, um, the UC divest from the TMT is an important point. Um, and providing the more reasons they have as to why um, the UC should divest, the, the better. Um, so, so such as reasons would be, you know, um, the mountain has a cultural, environmental, religious aspect that the TMT completely threatens to destroy. Um, even though University of California spokespeople, spokespersons for the project for the UC um, will try to argue that um, they seek to um, lend TMT with our culture and respect us. Um, we have to make sure that we push back and let them know as Kanaka um, that there's no way that the TMT will ever be able to blend with our culture because of how it has treated us already, how the state has shown to not care about our culture and our people. Um, so that's a big point. Um, another point could be, you know, the financial aspect of it, um, that it's not financially sustainable, that the lease isn't promised to be um, renewed for the UH system um, or for the TNT or for any of the telescopes. And so it's a highly, it's a very high risk project that may not see completion and therefore would be a poor investment. Um, another touch point is it's just an, it's an unethical project and the University of California has ethical standards of conduct that is most maintained. Um, so, and you know, for us to submit this testimony is very, very, very important because we have you know, of course, we have opposition and we have as much as we're organizing for divestment, um, there's people who are organizing to push the project through, such as Imua TMT. And so we have to make sure that we overpower that and ensure that um, the mana of our people is heard through this testimony that we do not want this project here. And that we want the University of California to divest from the project. So um, you can provide that testimony at um, the following email, uh, regentsoffice at ucop.edu. Um, again, R-E-G-E-N-T-S-O-F-F-I-C-E at ucop.edu. Um, all the way up to the meeting, the final meeting day would 
So the more testimony, the better. I know there's a organization called Uprooted and Rising, and they're helping to organize with the students at UC to help to try, you know, have more momentum and education and outreach to people. So I just posted or we just posted on Native Stories Instagram and our social networks about how to help with, you know, furthering that. So if you go on our page, there's a call to action and it has more information about that. And you can repost on your page or your Instagram story or your Facebook story or Facebook um, about how you're, you know, want UC to divest. And there's some hashtags that you can do. Um, pound sign UC divest TMT, pound sign um, TMT public comments, pound, ti- pound sign TMT shutdown. So that's another way that you guys can get involved too. Is there some some story that you want to tell to the listeners about, I don't know, anything that's like calling to you to share with them? Yeah, um, I guess this would relate to how I envision the future of the Lahui and the Hawaiian kingdom. Um, so I believe the final day prior to me finally leaving the Pu'uhonua for the first time um, to leave the island, to go back to school, um, myself and one of my good friends that I made while here at the Pu'uhonua, uh, Michelangelo, we had been, I had been planning to take a huaka'i up to Waiau, which is you know a lake up on the Mauna. And um, one day, and we never chose a day yet. We were just like, when it, when it feels right, we'll go. And so the day prior to me leaving Pu'onua to leave um, Hawaii Island, um, one morning after our aha ceremony, I was looking up at the Mauna. And I was just like, you know, today I feel like going. And so um, we got dropped off at the visitor center and we planned to walk um, from there up to the lake, um, which was about a four and a half hour walk um, in Hawaii. And so we were actually being stopped um, by the Mauna Kea Rangers, which um, is a state entity. Um, and this is after the um, DNR police um blockade was removed from on the cattle guard and so um what happened was that the Mauna Kea rangers were then blocking access up further from the visitor center under the guise of a weather advisory um and they were claiming that there's 75 mile per hour wind um 80 mile per hour wind that was supposed to be coming and i recall um as soon as we got out of the truck, I had put on my kihei and was approached by one of these rangers um, and was, you know, obviously being targeted because none of the tourists were being were approached. Um, just, you know, the, one of the kanakas wearing ceremonial garbs was being approached um, and basically being told that we weren't going to be allowed up um, and that it was because of a safety issue, not because of a religious or cultural issue. Um, meanwhile, we saw other people walking past who they, they'd never stopped um, question or anything or to tell them that they could not pass. And so 
after seeing that, we decided, you know, we're not going to let the state tell us we cannot access the space that our kupuna accessed um, prior to the state even existing. And so we decided to sneak past them. Um, and as a result of that, we were actually the only people as Kanaka Maoli who were on the Mauna past the visitor center that day. Um, there were no astronomers from these other telescopes up there. There was no DLNR up there. And so it, it created this feeling of um, us being able to access our kuleana and us being able to access the aina in a way that we are not being restricted um, by the state. Um, and to feel again what our kupuna felt, um, feel a sovereignty that I think needs to come back and restored completely throughout our aina. And so that was one of the, the lessons that I learned that, that day was to not allow the state to tell us and to restrict us and regulate us. Um, the state of Hawaii has no business telling us as Kanaka Maoli what we can access as far as Aina goes. Um, it is our it is our kuleana. Um, and these lands are the lands of the Hawaiian kingdom. And we must never forget that and continue to ensure that we perpetuate that. So, yeah, I was, from that huakai, there was a lot of things I learned um, in going to a place where an almakua lives. Um, Wrapping it up, and thank you for sharing about your vision on how you envision the future of our peoples in the Hawaiian kingdom, because I just feel that it's powerful when... Every Kanakamoli voice that I've had or that we've had here on Native Stories have sh- has shared what their what they envision the future of the Hawaiian Kingdom to be, and it's just amazing hearing everyone's voices on really how empowered they feel and how the vision of the Hawaiian Kingdom as a unified one with sovereignty. Um. Yeah, wrapping it up, do you have any last thoughts or any last messages that you want to share with the world at this time? Um, I think this journey for me, even though it's not complete and there's a long way to go, what I've come to learn is the importance of kuleana. Uh, the kuleana that comes from our, our mo'oku auhau, um, the kuleana that we carry as a result of living um, this current life and we have to fulfill and never forget what your kuleana is um, and make sure that you fulfill it is I think, the most important thing because it's not just for you, it's not just for me, it's for our collective lahui. Yes. And I feel like some people that I talk to that are like newly into their activism or stepping into their identity as Konakamoli, if they haven't like, you know, like grown up in that identity, if they're like still finding themselves, they're always like, like some people reach out to me and they're like, you know, like, 
how do I find my kuleana? And I'm like, honestly, like things, if you're doing the right things, like little by little, I swear, I just feel like kuleana just jumps out at you. And it like at different moments and times in your life that you just have this urge and this feeling deep in your now that you have to, you know, assume that position and do, do whatever action or those things. So don't be afraid to step out into the unknown and people are willing to help too. Like if you have questions and all that text things, if people want to get connected to you or let's say connected to Pu'uhulu or Protect Mauna Kea, um, can you kind of share with us uh, their social networks or how do they get connected with you? Um, yeah. So um, as far as the current happenings at the Pu'uhonua um, with the Kia'i that remain here, um, you can check out the Nakia'i Pa'a o Mauna Kea um, Facebook page um, where they provide, you know, updates about what's happening as well as some, sometimes they ask for kokua um, um, with, you know, getting some resources available to them. Um, and so that's how you can know about what's happening up here. Um, as far as getting in contact with me, <laughs> I mean, I have my Facebook page, but um, I kind of get overwhelmed with social media sometimes. So I'm more of a, if you find me and you happen to walk, walk cross paths with me kind of, <laughs> kind of um, thing. Um, but yeah. Um, awesome and then oh you know actually i forgot um also i think it's important to um uh keep up with folks in kupuna such as auntie keola kishoda um, auntie lola nitio they they put out a lot of um information of actions of organizing efforts um and as as far as Auntie Lawani, she's also, I think, very involved with the UC student active organizing activism. Um, so in terms of getting up-to-date information about um, the meeting that's happening later this month, as well as the potential of other meetings. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yes, I'll, I'll, we'll post that on our social media. Um, we'll tag those people as well. Um so mahalo Kane Ali for coming on Native Stories and sharing with us some of your mo'olelo in your life. Maybe later on we can have you as a follow-up episode. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> mahalo for everyone tuning in again for another episode at Native Stories. If you all want to further connect with us, please do. We're looking for more stories and more podcast host collaborations. So if you're interested in being a host, hit us up. You can download our mobile app for place-based stories and walking tours um, and our podcasts. Uh, you can also search Native Stories for that. We're on Android and iPhone stores. Um, follow us on Facebook. You can search Native Stories or you can find us on Instagram. Our handle on there is Our Native Stories. Um, we share daily on our social media on Native and Indigenous Kind Mail or things. And so make sure you follow us there and share with us to your ohana and friends. Um, Native Stories prides ourselves in being your resource. And the more you share, the more 
our native and indigenous knowledges and truths are told. So sending plenty of aloha to you all out there and mahalo for tuning in. Peace.